Can a Christian get divorced? Um, we've been digging into topics around dating, sexuality, and marriage lately. And um, yeah, this is one of the biggest issues of our time, divorce. Yeah. And so, yeah, we, um, we just want to talk about how do we even approach this topic? Yeah, you know? it's a big one. And, and it, obviously, just think of how many people have been affected by divorce, whether right. it's you know, a parent's divorce or yeah. somebody it's not abandoning just the two them. people yeah. who are affected. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, there's just so many kids I've walked through that they've been wrestling with that and the guilt or the, you know, all sorts of things that Questions. come out of that. Yeah. And then people who have been abandoned by a spouse, been mistreated mm-hmm. by a spouse, and then those who have actually, you know, sinned in, in having an unbiblical divorce, being the one who abandons another. Yeah. So there's a lot of people, a lot of emotions when you come to a topic like this. Mm-hmm. But um, it's such an important one because God loves marriage. Yep. He created it. He blesses it. He designed it for maximum benefit to humanity, right? It's meant to be for childbearing. There's no better institution to raise a child than mm-hmm. a husband and a wife who are committed to each other for life. Yeah. It's meant for pleasure, right? When done rightly, marriage is meant to be incredibly pleasurable. It's meant for provision and protection. Men and women are meant to balance each other and to provide a stable life for each other. I'm sure we could add many things to that list, but yeah. also it's a picture of the gospel, right? Ephesians 5 talks about how um, marriage, he says, this mystery is profound in Ephesians 5.32. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying it refers to Christ and the church. So when two become one, it's a picture of Christ and the church and therefore of the gospel message, the central message of Christianity. So to say God is heavily invested in marriage is an understatement. Right. I mean, God created it for all these good purposes. And the intent of marriage is that it ends, it ends at death, mm-hmm. right? So when one partner yeah. dies, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. till death do us part. So at that point, you are freed from the bond of marriage. You're free to marry another. And we'll mm-hmm. see that in 1 Corinthians 7. Yeah. But, of course, can a marriage be ended in a different way through divorce? The answer, the short answer would be yes. And we'll put some guidelines around that. But let's keep in mind that divorce is no light thing. Divorce is really akin to saying that someone has died. Yeah. That's essentially what, you know, it's, in a, and there's some circumstances where, you know, a spouse betrays another spouse. Or something. It, it's almost like it would have been better if it if it had been death. Yeah. You know, it's sad to say. Yeah, there have been of course, less pain. <laughs> yeah, there have been less pain, less yeah. struggle. Um, so, of course, I don't wish that on anybody. Right. But I'm just saying it's, it is such a serious thing. Mm-hmm. Such a serious thing. So, um, let, let's, let's look at a few times when divorce is allowed. There's really two clear exceptions in the New Testament um, regarding uh, d- divorce. Yeah. So, there's two exceptions. So, let's look at Matthew chapter 19. This really yeah. is the key text, it's the longest text in the New Testament on divorce. So Matthew 19, so Jesus actually speaks to this. So what is what happens is the, the Pharisees come to him and they tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? So this is the topic of no-fault divorce, meaning whatever you want, there's not necessarily a reason for it that you can point to, but you want to get divorced, you can get divorced, right? right. And some of the, the rabbis back then would say, if a wife spoils a meal, you can divorce her. Or if you find someone prettier than your wife, you can, you can divorce her. Yeah. So that would have been extreme and, and crazy. Right. But really, I mean, this conversation sounds like a conversation you might have in the church today. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I can divorce true. my life, right? I mean, it's, I have freedom in that, right? Well, no, no. He says, verse 4, have you not read? By the way, I love how often Jesus is asking, like, have you not read? Like, the Bible talks yeah. about this, right? 
<laughs> Go to the book. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Mm-hmm. So there we have that famous thing that's said in the kind of traditional wedding ceremony, right? Let not, what, what God has joined together, let, let not man separate. So the idea here is he's saying God creates male and female. He creates marriage. He he binds two people together. Mm-hmm. And really in every marriage, Christian or non-Christian, God is blessing and binding two people together mm-hmm. in this unity. Yeah. doesn't mean they're without sin, of course, but it means that God is playing his part perfectly. Right. Um, this is a profound thing. And so if God joins people together, mm-hmm. well, you can't divide that. Right. You don't have the right to do that. You don't have the authority to do that. Mm-hmm. And so he's very clear that the basic rule for humanity is to not divorce. So the response from the Pharisees is predictable. Again, this is kind of how a conversation would go in our church today for a lot of people, mm-hmm. which is verse 7. They said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? In other words, if you're saying divorce is off the table, why would Moses in the Old Testament and the, the Levitical law, why would he tell them a way they could be divorced? Mm-hmm. Why did he get out these guidelines for them? Yeah. And Jesus responds in a really interesting way. He says, Verse 8, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. So he's saying Moses knew there would be divorces. Mm -hmm. There would be situations where one or the other spouse would be put in this impossible situation Mm -hmm. because their their partner or their spouse is unfaithful or is abandoning them or whatever. Mm -hmm. And in that time, I mean, if you were a woman and you couldn't get remarried, that could be like a death sentence in a yeah. sense, right? I mean, like Definitely. you are, you're in a desperate place. Think about uh, Naomi and Ruth in the book of Ruth, how desperate they are when they lose their husbands because those were the key providers for you. Right. So especially if you have kids, I mean, you could be in a really bad situation, mm-hmm. protection, all that stuff that a man can yeah. bring. So here he's saying there was a provision because God knew people were going to sin. And right. so there was a way to protect the vulnerable party in that instance. But he clarifies here, verse 9, he says, And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. So if you take out the exception there, right, it would say whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. Mm -hmm. So again, that's the basic rule. So you divorce, you can't now enter into another relationship, Mm -hmm. otherwise you're committing adultery, which means the wording here is interesting, right? So what he's saying is, if God has formed the marriage, you can't just dissolve it willy-nilly. It's not, it's not up to you. Mm-hmm. And this is helpful for our day and age where we think that because a, a government or some guys in robes right. say, this is now marriage, we go, well, it's, it's now marriage. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's marriage if God says it's marriage. Mm-hmm. So if you are leaving your wife to be with another person, it doesn't matter if you legally annul the marriage or whatever, or divorce, it's still adultery. Yeah. But there's an exception given here, right? He says, except for sexual immorality. So this phrase in the Old Testament would encompass things like, obviously, uh, adulterous act, adulterous, you know, a relationship, um, homosexual relationship, bestiality, things like that, mm-hmm. right? So if someone is being joined with another in this sexual act, mm-hmm. then they are forsaking the bond of marriage, and therefore, by definition, it's it's broken, right? So, and again, we're going to talk about two different exceptions, but just because mm-hmm. something is 
something is allowed doesn't mean you should do it. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting too the way that we see Jesus um, is raising the bar for people too, right? Because there might have been people who were like, well, I don't want to be with my wife anymore. I want to be with that girl over there. So I'm just going to divorce her and go over there. So I'm not committing adultery or whatever. It's like, no, just by doing that, you are committing like the very thing you're like trying to get around. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah. yeah, that'd be the Hollywood approach to marriage, right? You right, gotta, yeah. Got to turn in the old model for a new one kind of a thing. Right. Like, that's just so far from God's heart mm-hmm. because marriage is about commitment. Mm-hmm. But so, so there is this protection here, right? But again, it's it's not saying that you have to. So if a, if a spouse commits adultery, which is a horrible thing, yeah. it doesn't mean you have to be divorced, but it means there's an exception there and you yeah. can be divorced. Right. And then they go on in verse Matthew 19, verse 10. The disciples said to him, If such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. So they say, I mean, this is so extreme, Jesus, that maybe it's better to stay single. Mm-hmm. And Jesus responds by saying, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. So he clarifies, mm-hmm. It's not, you don't just take the easier path. You know what might be the easier path, I, I guess. Just because you want to avoid conflict, it's only for those who are, are called to that lifestyle. So, so that's one of the that's really the key passage on divorce, which shows us the first exception to, um, you know, marriage ending by natural death mm-hmm. would be marriage ending in the case of sexual immorality by one of the partners. There's freedom there. And again, I would I would think my heart. So if someone came to me and said, I need counsel. My spouse cheated on me. I want to get a divorce. Mm-hmm. I would I would immediately go to okay. Is there a way we can reconcile this? Yeah. Because that forgiveness and love models the gospel. And mm-hmm. so now there's cases, plenty of cases where one spouse is unrepentant. They don't want to be together. They're with you know. Yeah. There's no change. All that stuff. Then we would go through church discipline and all that, and that person would be free to remarry. But my initial encouragement would be: Is there a way that we can have repentance and reconciliation? which yeah. models the nature of the gospel. Yeah, exactly. I was about to say what a, a story of scripture, right? Mm-hmm. Like we see that happening all the time, how, you know, I'm sure we'll get into this, but the idea of like us being unfaithful to God and he's continually faithful to us. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. And also I think, cause one of the key questions will be in the Christian world will be once you get divorced, can you remarry? Mm-hmm. So basically how I'm seeing divorce and the way it's been understood in this cultural context and in the old Testament would be if you are divorced, you are free to remarry. That's kind of the whole point of divorce. Mm -hmm. So I am assuming when I say something is a biblical divorce, I'm saying there is freedom to remarry in that. And even just look at the language, Mm -hmm. right? So who again, this is Matthew 19, 9. He says, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual morality and marries another commits adultery. Mm -hmm. So the person divorcing his wife without that, good reason and remarrying another is the one who's committing adultery. Right. But the, the natural reading of that ver- verse would be to say, if someone divorces for sexual morality and marries another, it's not yeah. adultery. Right. Yeah. So th- anyway, so that's just a clarification on that. Um, and I think the same thing is true in Matthew five thirty one and 32. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time the new Testament talks about this, mm-hmm. but again, Jesus saying really the same thing. He says, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Mm-hmm. So again, even that last phrase there, 
whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery, I think implied is the exception clause. Mm-hmm. If that one was divorced for a biblical reason, right. then it's not adultery. It's assuming, yeah. So then that doesn't even need to be said because in context, that's what's clearly being stated. Okay. But often people misunderstand this. So another important passage is 1 Corinthians 7. You know, I just preached on this recently. Um, this is a really important passage for for the topic of divorce, right? And what, he, what Paul clarifies in this is a second reason why someone could be divorced. Hmm. So 1 Corinthians 7, 10 says, To the married I give this charge, not I but the Lord. The wife should, wife should not separate from her husband. So that word separate, same word in Matthew 19, where he says, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Right. So it's speaking to divorce, um, I believe. Verse 11, but if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband, and the husband should not divorce his wife. So he's speaking again in kind of the general rule. He's saying, don't get divorced, but if you do get divorced, meaning it's an unbiblical divorce, mm-hmm at least don't marry someone else because then that eradicates any possibility of being reunited. Right. Right. So the hope is for Paul is that they would be reconciled, mm-hmm. maybe brought back together. Yeah. So, so that's kind of the basic rule. And then he also says this is true of, uh, with non-believers as well. Mm-hmm. So in verses 12 to 13, um, he's saying you, if you have a spouse who's not a believer and you've been converted to Christianity, mm-hmm. stay with them if you at all can. Which is an amazing thing because he's saying he's pointing out just how powerful and important marriage is in God's plan. Mm-hmm. That even if you're married to a non-believer, the Christian should still stay with them. Yeah, that really shows the priority of marriage for God. And there's no risk of you becoming unclean or unholy because of that union. So in verse 14, he clarifies that he says the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. So mm-hmm. God protects you from some sort of spiritual defilement because of that. But then again, he gives an exception clause in verse 15. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. So this is is so helpful as well. So he's saying, do everything you can, even with a non-Christian spouse, to stay united to them in marriage. God doesn't want that bond to be broken. But there's freedom if that partner wants to make a decision, right? And they, they're the ones who initiate the divorce. They say, I'm out of here because you're a Christian. That's okay. Let them go. You don't yeah. need to fight them on that. And God will bless you in that. And again, I think the implication here is that you're free to remarry as well. So right. when he says um, in verse 15 there, right, mm-hmm. that the brother or sister is not enslaved, that word in Greek is the word bound, and it's the same word used at the end of 1 Corinthians 7 in verse 39. Mm-hmm. So what it says in that verse, this is worth kind of hearing in context. It says, <clears throat> a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. So again, the same word for enslaved in 1 Corinthians seven fifteen. Wife is bound to her husband as long as she, he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. So what he's saying clearly with the idea of being bound is you can only be married to this person. Mm-hmm. So once once that there's a death, right? So this would be the normal course of things. Yep. Then that then that partner is free. It's not bound anymore. It's free to remarry. Yeah. Is the implication. So if you read that back into 1 Corinthians 10:17, I think it's pretty clear that it's saying you're not bound 
to only be, be married to this one person, you're now freed from that bond and right. free to remarry. Yeah, no, that's important. Well, and one thing I, I was just noticing too, as we're going through this, is the idea of, you know, if someone, um, divorces, um, on grounds that like aren't biblical, right. Yeah. That they shouldn't remarry someone else or else it seems like here in um, Matthew 5, it's saying you're making that new person partake in adultery, right? You're making yeah. them like partake in your sin. And so, yeah, it's it's just, it's interesting to read through this and see just like how seriously um, God takes this issue, yeah. you know? And it's something that, you know, for anyone maybe like in a season like this where they're struggling with these questions in their own life, go to scripture, like go to a pastor and like get counsel on this and yeah. just don't take it lightly. Like maybe don't make any um, quick decisions, you know? Well, yeah. And that's ones. the thing. So <clears throat> in the, the question could come up. Okay. So we're saying the two clear reasons for a divorce are adultery and abandonment. Mm -hmm. But someone could say, well, first Corinthians seven is speaking to abandonment by an unbelieving spouse. Mm -hmm. So what about with a believing spouse? So what I would say with that is, this is where church membership is so helpful. Yeah. So again, not everyone who's listening to this is going to have a church that has church membership, but you need to have a church that has membership and that practices church discipline, meaning mm -hmm. what, what Jesus lays out in Matthew 18 of you go and confront someone if they're in sin, you try to restore them. Right. If, if it eventually, if it doesn't, there's no repentance, you remove them from the church and let them be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Mm -hmm. So in other words, if somebody has abandoned their spouse, so they moved to a different state, they refused to provide, right? they're not meeting the obligations of the covenant, mm -hmm. then they would be under church discipline in the ideal context, and they would eventually be declared an unbeliever with right. the authority of that church. It's essentially what church discipline is. Yeah. And in that case, there is then freedom, yeah. right? Repent. A true believer in Jesus is going to repent and you know, we see in the Bible, if you don't provide for your family, you've denied the faith yeah. and you're worse than an unbeliever. It's a pretty extreme statement about yeah. how important it is to keep your covenant in marriage and as a, as a parent. So, yeah. yeah, I think what what you would be able to do is you'd be able to appeal to those who are in authority in the church. Yeah. And I, I think with a lot of this, it comes back to, um, do you have a great church that you can trust the leaders there? If so, mm -hmm. it's going to guard you from so many troubles because you can go and you can seek yeah. wisdom and support and they can be a defense for you as well. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so good. Um, well, yeah, moving on. Are, are there any times outside of adultery and aban abandonment that a spot, a spouse could be divorced? Yeah. So that this is a, this is a tough issue because obviously, you know, a lot of things come to mind for people, right. Of an abusive situation. Okay, so the spouse still wants to be married, but they're super abusive or there's crime or whatever, you know, just crazy stuff. So, how do you how do you deal with that? I, I guess for me right now, I'm I'm not 100% sure. I'd say I'm open to that possibility. Mm -hmm. And and one of the reasons why is because, you know, Wayne Grudem wrote a book on the topic and he he deals a lot with um, the phrasing mm -hmm. in uh in verse 15, so sorry, 1 Corinthians 7, 15, where it says, in such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. And he said, well, the natural way that most people read that is in cases of abandonment. But he said the, the, the way that language actually functions in ancient Greek literature mm -hmm. seems to actually be speaking of related cases. 
So it seems to be broadening it out to things that are not specifically that same case, Mm -hmm. but are similar. So he makes the argument that what's being said here is that cases where the marriage is being damaged to the same degree as if someone abandoned their spouse, that person is free from that relationship. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's, I'm open to that, Mm -hmm. and I haven't necessarily landed anywhere on that. But what I would Mm -hmm. say is the default posture of a spouse should be to preserve the marriage if at all possible. Mm -hmm. And so if there's abuse, I mean, we live in America. Thank God we have lots of laws against these things. I would strongly encourage a spouse, I would urge a spouse Mm -hmm. to pick up the phone and call the police. Yes. Right? If there's a breaking of a law, call the police. And even that, I know that there's... There is danger anytime an authority with a gun comes into the picture. Mm-hmm. But I still think that that's a better risk to take than just, just you know, ending the marriage. Right. That's the most right. extreme option. And so I would, you know, involve your church elders, yeah. um, involve other people, right? Avail yourself of every possible other avenue before you were to divorce. Separate from a season, right? Mm-hmm. Get get shelter with someone at all, you know, I Again, I, I, it depends upon the severity of the abuse, clearly, mm-hmm. but a lot of different you know areas of abuse, you know whether it's verbal or you know uh, something like that. There, there's I think definitely a chance for reconciliation. Right. I don't right. think you have to jump to divorce. So mm-hmm. that would be my prayer for you is mm-hmm. to find safety, especially for your kids mm-hmm. if you have kids. Um, to to use law enforcement to seek out good godly counsel, yeah, and and then to see if there's room for some sort of repair of the marriage. Yeah. And God has repaired marriages like that. Yeah, and He can. Yeah, but sure. yeah, definitely, always the priority is on safety for the individual who's being victimized. Yeah, absolutely. If you're in immediate danger, you need yeah. to you need to yeah. call the police. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, you shouldn't feel bad about calling the police on your husband or your wife if they are being physically violent towards you. Oh, my goodness! <laughs> Throw yeah. that person in jail. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, especially right if kids are involved, oh, right? Man. Like protecting yeah. them. You, like, that's you, you, have, you have to. Yeah, you yeah. Have, it's a yeah. moral obligation. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's good. Um. Okay, so, well, moving on, what about some of those, like, off-the-wall cases, right? So, like, what if you have a gay couple, and they're married? So they're like, oh, well, and, you know, maybe they come come to faith, and they're like, oh, but we're not supposed to get divorced, it seems like. So we're kind of stuck between two sins, it almost yeah, like. yeah, which is a common. I know you know you know where, where how I'm going to answer this. You you know how you would answer it. Yeah, but it's a good question because it does come up. Yeah. and the answer is actually very simple, which is Jesus is only talking about marriages. Mm-hmm. So if you're dealing with something that's not a marriage, mm-hmm. which again, homosexual marriage is not a thing. It's an oxymoron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, again, I don't care if the the state says it's a marriage. Yeah. They don't have that kind of authority. So in that case, of course, the right response is to be divorced mm-hmm. or to you know make that legal yeah. what's already there in reality which is this is not a, a marriage and to stop sinning in terms mm-hmm. of being sexually intimate with that person so yeah absolutely that's an easy one um, that every <laughs> pastor should be able to answer y- yes <laughs> <laughs> yes um well no it's so true right because like you're not even getting divorced yeah. because you were never married yeah right again like you were you were saying like god's word comes Above, it's above everything, right? Yeah. Even the state. So, and this is important because there's going to be more instances of this, right? There's going yeah, to be a lot of complex, you know, fathers marrying sons or yeah. uh, people marrying their dogs or whatever. Like, if you don't think it's going to happen, you're naive. I yeah. don't know when it will happen, but mm-hmm. it obviously 
if this path keeps going, mm-hmm. of course that stuff is going to happen. So yeah. we're going to have to have an answer for all of that, which is, again, marriage is marriage. Everything else is just a counterfeit. Yep. So, of course, stop participating in that. Yeah. No, I remember when I was younger, um, I, I thought like, oh, Christians are um, giving a lot of like slippery slope arguments where things will lead. And boy, was I wrong. <laughs> yeah, I was anymore. very, very <laughs> wrong. And yeah. now I see... Uh, yeah, the depravity of man knows no end, it feels yeah, like. Yeah, so, that's we're going to keep going. Yeah, it's good to think about these questions. But yeah, well, so one more question. Um, y- you know, if, if we were to live in um, a place where polygamy is law of the land, what do you do with that situation, yeah. right? So if, if I'm a man married to like two women, what do I do there? Yeah, yeah. So again, that, that that's different because there are, you know, actual... You know, it's one man, one woman marriage, and then a different one man, one woman marriage. Yeah, it's clearly unbiblical. It's sinful. Yeah. But the right course uh, that is typically suggested, and I think this is the right course, would be that the first marriage mm-hmm. is legitimate, and everything else after that is an adulterous relationship that yeah. needs to be ended. Yeah. So again, I mean, in a culture like that, following Christ is going to come with a lot of mm-hmm. challenges. Yeah. But we still need to follow Christ. Yeah. And we need to we need to seek for purity in our relationship. So that would be the mm-hmm. the proper course of action there. Yeah. That's great. Well, it's always good to remember God has such a high view of marriage and we need to be looking to his word um for truth and to have discernment in all these things. And yeah, like we said, go to your pastor, go to your church if you're struggling with any of uh these questions and um yeah, just prayerfully consider what to do in these situations um, because there there is so much um, uh, like advice and there are so many um, things that Scripture has to say about this topic. Yep.